Well, it's great to meet Laura Nasa this afternoon on the uh, Women in Family Law podcast. Laura is a senior associate at Pennington Manches Cooper. Have I got that right, Laura? Long name now. Uh, <laughs> Laura's been qualified um, 10 years and she does both a private uh, finance and children cases. Probably a bit more finance than children, but at the moment she was just telling me her caseload is about 50-50. And many of you will know that she's an absolute social media guru. And that's what I really want to um, get to the bottom of in this interview and find out more. But it's great to have you here, Laura. So thanks very much for joining me today. Thank you. It's lovely to be asked. So what I wanted to start off by asking you about is really how you got into family law. What was the path that brought you to this point? Do you know what? It's quite difficult. I was really young. I was about 12 when I kind of first declared I wanted to be a family, well, a divorce lawyer then. Um, and it was from watching a TV programme in America, which was a crime TV channel. <laughs> this is a random story, isn't it? And, um, and there was a rabbi who'd had an affair and it was the fallout from that on the community and all that. I just loved the human element of the, the law and I really liked the, the way family law is quite unique in that. And it was just something that really captured my um, attention and interest. And I thought, well, if I'm interested in this, then that's a pretty good way of getting into a career. <laughs> yeah, I've interviewed a lot of people and I think it's fair to say that they talk about their passion and that if you're passionate about something, you almost don't even realise that it's work. It's really bizarre. Yeah, I, I definitely think family law is really unique. From when I went through law school, most of my friends then went into commercial and corporate law. And I'm the only one from our, our group that went into family law. And I, I must say, when we meet up for dinner parties and things, everyone says, oh, if I had my time again, yours is so much more interesting. Um, so yeah, the interesting element, the human factor, the, the fact that we're dealing with individuals, um, it definitely is what attracted me, the more personality side, the emotive side of, of life and problem solving, quite like that, that feeling. And any mentors or special people that you would like to sort of name check? Anybody that stands out for helping you along your journey? Well, I mean, I've made two moves in my career. When I qualified, I went over to Venter Solicitors and was really fortunate at the time because I, as a lot of juniors will now be looking at, I qualified at the time of a recession. And I was really fortunate that June Venter's QC gave me my first role as a, an NQ. And it was an absolute baptism of fire. You know, <laughs> I, I was learning on the job and the job was really hard work and I had a lot on. But, you know, I knew that she was leading by example and that was great. I was with her for about 18 months and then I moved to um, Manchester as it was then. And um, I've got to say the people that I've worked with closely are the ones that have really genuinely mentored me in a family law world but also you know through my own progression as a person so when I first joined Manchester I worked with Jane Mitchell and Ruth James in our Oxford office and they not only got me through as a you know junior and trained me up but I also had bowel cancer I found out just three months after joining that um, that I had this rare aggressive type of bowel cancer I had to have two rounds of surgery 
And that was really, really hard, especially because I was quite young still at the time. Um, and they were incredible, not just in kind of nurturing me as a young lawyer, but in, in that personal difficulties that I was going through at the time. And then after having my first child, I transferred from the Oxford office to our new Guildford office because we had merged Pennington's and Manchester's at that point. And Veronica Gilmore has been a phenomenal mentor. Um, and again, not just because of her influence on me as a lawyer, but because of, you know, she got me in my first post-maternity leave role where I was pretty wobbly, you know, I, I hadn't been in work for a year. I'd never taken a sabbatical or anything before that. And I was learning how to do a job and be a first time mum and juggle. And she, she, even now, she knows what my needs will be before I do, because she's been there and she understands and she gets it. And that is great. They're, they've all been brilliant mentors. Absolutely fantastic. And great to hear that you recovered from your cancer. I'm so, so pleased. And you're looking amazing, by the way. <laughs> Thank it's you. Quite incredible. I'm hoping that this is a recording because as I've mentioned, I've just come in from the garden. Um, <laughs> so have there been any defining moments? Um, you've talked about your bowel cancer, but anything in your career that have defined you, whether it's a special case that you've done or any, any period of your life that has been defining for you? Do you know what? There's probably been so many that have been defining in in subtle ways, but in the more the, the more kind of tremendous things. I mean, probably quite recently, but I had the case with Hannah Markham, and it was a parental alienation case. And the case was defining to me not just because of you know we got a great outcome, but actually because it was one of the first cases I had done that went on for as long as it did. And I was there from the beginning to the very end. And it was phenomenal to take that client through that journey. And it was a really difficult case. We had criminal allegations, we had business issues. He was dismissed from the family business. He, he was ousted from his home. Everything that could possibly be thrown at him was thrown at him in this case. It was highly, highly contentious. And that was career defining for me because I was finding my confidence and my feet in, you know, every case challenging, challenges us. But it was really one of those cases that pushed me and pushed my boundaries. And it gave me that ability to think, okay, I can do this. I can step up and I can take these mm. on. So that was, that was great. And to work with Hannah, who was just phenomenal. And, and those, those are kind of people that you come across in your career and you watch how they work and they are defining in their own, just experiencing them. She is one of those, isn't she? Um, <laughs> other moments, I mean, writing my book, that was defining in my life. It was incredibly hard. It took, it was about 18 months in the process. And I had two children by that point. I'd not long come back from maternity leave after my second and I was doing my four day a week day job, which it's four days a week, but they're long days. And you know, it does encroach into your, your, your home time. <laughs> um, and in addition, I was dealing with two children and writing a book in my days off, my weekends, my evenings, when my children were napping or whatever. That was, you know, I really had to find a new, a new energy and a new, uh, I just, I really had to hunker down and I, I, 
I don't think I expected it to be as it was. I had no idea what I was getting myself in for, but I'm really thrilled to look back and see, you know, how I managed to get through it. I'm really pleased with myself just, you know, as a personal accomplishment. That's brilliant. So some people may not have read the book. I mean, obviously the majority of people have because it's been made hugely successful, but can you just describe in a few sentences what the book is about and what it's aimed at? So it's aimed directly at the layperson. So it's not a book for lawyers. The pitch of the book is that it is to feel like an initial meeting with your family lawyer, your family lawyer in a book. So it's called The Family Lawyer's Guide to Separation and Divorce, How to Get What You Both Want, which I know as family lawyers is a difficult task. <laughs> but the idea is, my theory is if people can access information early on, and accurate information that sets their expectations reasonably, then it can help to resolve disputes or not even inflame issues from the outset and people can get through a separation or a divorce or if it's just child arrangements um, issues. People can go through that process just a little bit more confidently, reasonably and hopefully with both people feeling like they're getting something that they, they want out of the process because their expectations have been set appropriately from the outset. And so that book was tremendously successful. What did that mean for you personally? What happened as a consequence of its launch? Oh gosh, well, loads of doors have opened. I mean, it's been quite strange. You know, I've been doing publicity for the book and off the back of doing those kind of things, I had a tremendous amount of new client inquiries and that's you know brought in a whole new caseload of cases that probably would not have come to me otherwise it makes usually we're quite regional aren't we but clients mm. tend to go to a, a lawyer local to them but you know i'm getting inquiries from across the nation i so i've done low i've been featured in loads of magazines the newspapers i've been on the radio um i'm doing podcasts um, I've got things in the pipeline, which, you know, I'm in talks about doing more things. So it really has changed a lot. <laughs> um, and I have people contact me and they'll say, oh, I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity. I can't, you know, and like you, it, it brings it because it, the whole point of it, of what I do as well with Instagram is that people feel like they know me and they can hear my voice and they can get an idea of me, how I am. And I therefore feel like when people do speak to me that they have already met me. And it, it's lovely. It's really good. It's all been very positive. That's brilliant. And, and tell us a bit more about Instagram and, and what you're doing. I think Insta Live is the buzzword. <laughs> I've in fact featured and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But tell the listeners more. Well, I started my Instagram account, which is at the family lawyer. I started it while I was on my second maternity leave with my daughter. I used Instagram personally and I loved the platform. It was really quick, it was easy to access, you could get little snippets of information, but it's not like Twitter where it is just text and it's quite limited. It's a photograph and you can put text with it. And the narrative tends to be very informal and chit-chatty. The voice of the actual person is what people are looking for. The ones that are doing well are authentic. So you feel like what they are posting is genuine to them and it really means something. Um, so I was using it for my, my own, um, you know, while I was on maternity leave and I had the idea that there was nothing on there for family law and I thought it could translate and I thought I could try it. 
And I felt that doing it then I was kind of protected because I could do a little, I was on maternity leave still, so I wasn't fully committing to this idea and pitching to my firm that I was gonna do this amazing thing and it would work. I kind of had that, I can trial and see how it goes and if it doesn't, nothing really comes of it, then that's fine. Um, but it's great, it's worked really well. At first I would post pictures that weren't me, I didn't feature at all. But I realized with Instagram that it is very much about the person and about authenticity. So I started to feature and I feature myself, I feature photos of my family life, but I only put content that is family law related. So I don't kind of snapshot photos of what I ate for dinner or if I've been to a nice restaurant. It's very much family law content, but in a way that translates direct to a layperson. So I'm talking in layman's terms. I try not to use legalese. Um, I try and make it quick snippets of information that a lot of our clients have misconceptions or they worry about things. It's more targeted at those kind of smaller issues. Um, it's not legal advice, it's just more kind of generic top tip kind of information. But that is how I got my book deal. Penguin Random House, the publishers, found me through Instagram and approached me to write the book. The beauty of Instagram for me is that people can follow me or they don't even have to follow me and they can access the information without leaving a trace of having looked at me. So uh, we're very used to kind of Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn where people, it's quite good to see how many followers someone's got. People think that the more followers you have, the more successful you are, the more likes you have. I'm not chasing followers or likes because it allows people to anonymously access my content, access me, they can direct message me but they don't have to like me or like my content. And it means that for them, there's access to information, but their partner who they may still be with or recently separated from, but may still have access to their phone or whatever, they don't have to see it, they can't trace it. And it's really successful, it's been great. Fantastic. And I suppose one of the things we're very keen at in Women in Family Law is to talk about well-being generally and work-life balance. And I think that's what we're all striving to do, to find that sort of status to, to ensure that we have a good work-life balance. And it's perhaps even harder these days in lockdown, but I just wondered if you've got any top tips for our listeners. <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> I, I struggle with the work-life balance. It's not easy and I never feel like I'm getting it right. I always have a sense of guilt, whether that be I've got more work that I need to be doing, or more commonly, I feel like I'm not quite present enough with my children, I'm not quite doing enough, and the coronavirus situation has really magnified that for me. I think being organized is really key. The more prep work I can do for things, the easier it does make my life, whether that be just prepping meals, prepping my, you know, at the moment, the homeschooling ideas, when I can, so that when it comes to actually doing that activity, I can be more present and I can be more focused. That's something that I struggle with, is the juggle and being so distracted between the two, that the, the lines are really blurred, particularly at the moment, and that's hard. And I think just staying positive, uh, it's really easy to, to get down on yourself. I've spoken on other podcasts about imposter syndrome and suffering from that, and feeling like I'm never good enough or, you know, I'm going to be caught out. Um, and I think just remembering 
where you are, why you're there, why you're part of that team or why you're needed as that in that role, whether that is as a, a mother or, or as an associate in a team and reminding yourself of your positives. You know, you don't have to brag about it all over social media, <laughs> but just kind of keeping yourself positive and cheer, being your own cheerleader, I think has been quite key to me. Mm. Well, I'd like to end on a positive note and thank you very much for joining me today. It's been absolutely great hearing from you and um, I'm sure that people are going to find this totally fascinating. I think the idea, uh, particularly perhaps of my generation, of somebody getting a book deal via Instagram is fabulous. So thank you very much, Laura. Great to speak to you today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.